Welcome to another episode of PropCast, a property podcast that aims to educate, inspire, and engage property investors. We are your hosts, Dami Shinobala and Bimbala Osaige. Hi, Bim. Hey, Dami. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Uh, this week is good. Half term week. Oh, no. Did I just, <laughs> did I just time stamp our podcast again? <laughs> <laughs> Always time, time stamping. Oh, yeah. I'm, in the, I'm living in the present, mate. <laughs> so good. So good. It's so good. Yeah, it is half time this week. So no homeschooling. It's been nice. But today's Friday, so it's all gone now. Like you've timestamped it even more. I'm gonna have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Bim. You know, we, need, hey. we, need a, we need some people working for us. As we release this podcast, they just get it out there. Like we didn't exactly. Oh uh, what same day podcast, yeah? yeah? Yes. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. So who have we got today, Bim? Ooh, we've got a special, special, special somebody. Oh, we've got the TJ, the TJ, the Mr. TJ of all TJs. <laughs> no, seriously, I met. Um, so today we've got TJ Atkinson with us and it was really excited. We're trying to get TJ on the podcast for a little while, I think. Um, but I think when I met TJ a few, it was last year, I think, um, I was so motivated and inspired by him um so i'm really excited that we've got him today uh, so welcome tj and thank you so much for making the time no thank you so much thank you for having me i apologize um i know we've been trying to make this happen for quite some time and yeah it's just it's my fault i take full responsibility oh no 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 don't 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 take responsibility you're a big man <laughs> you know um every every like most of my mornings you know like everybody else you wake up and you know you you, you flick onto instagram if i haven't seen a, a video or a message or something from tj there's something wrong in the world I commend you, my man. Your social media is off the charts. <laughs> There's so always a message there. Thank you so much, man. Right. So, TJ, who 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 are you, my friend? Who let you know? Who, who introduce yourself to our audience? Okay. Um, do you know what's so crazy? I actually hate that question, and most people <laughs> me would assume I love talking about myself because I do talk a lot, and people, your audience is going to notice that today because I have so much to say. In such a period of time, but I don't know how to describe myself. I mean, if I had to describe myself, I would say I'm just I'm me. I'm troublesome. I'm a property investor. I like trouble. Um, I like pushing people. I like inspiring people. But more importantly, I just like having fun. I think there's no point in being in business if it's not fun because you will get bored very quickly, and the ups and the downs will get you. So I'm I'm just I'm just a property investor who's finding ways to have fun at every conjunction. TJ, can I just say Excellent. something that inspired me that I saw in your social media during lockdown? You, yes, you, will not, you will not believe this. So this was as early back as last year, 2020. Okay. And when we had the proper lockdown and there was a post of yours that I saw. And again, like Dami said, you open going to Instagram and TJ is like literally popping up on your feed. So there was a post that you, you put up and you were so bored of being at home. And then you had, either you had someone deliver you a, a box of plantain crisps. Do you remember that? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, I saw that. I was like, oh. Then I said to myself, oh my God, why didn't I think of that? I could actually order a box of plantain crisps yeah, yes, <laughs> to yeah. get into lockdown. Oh my God, that got me through lockdown. When when I discovered you could buy boxes of plantain crisps, it literally changed my life. And I think I didn't eat anything apart from plantain crisps for about two weeks. I finished one box, I think, in two days. Yep, yep, I literally yep. finished one box in two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, the first lockdown was really interesting. I didn't expect it to last this long. Mm. Um, but it's been such an interesting experience. This sounds so crazy. It sounds so crazy. And unless you know me, you might not understand what I'm saying. I am so thankful that this situation, the pandemic um, lockdown has happened. And I'm talking about from a very selfish point of view. Yes, I've lost a lot of money. But again, I keep saying this over and over again. How dare you assume that life will be rosy? How dare you expect everything to go perfectly. If you expect to be an entrepreneur and to make money every single day, why wouldn't you understand that there will be times that you will also lose money, that there will be downs. Once you accept that as part and parcel of the game, then that's one step to becoming successful because you accept the reality. But I know coming from a Christian background, yes, we've got to keep the faith. Yes, we've got to be positive. But the problem is just being positive is not enough. Having a dose of, let's say, being realistic is what's going to help you because then you can formulate plans. So with regards to my businesses, every single one of my businesses has been punched in the face. Every single one of them have taken a massive hit, but I've learned so much from every single one of those businesses during this period that I've been ignoring for so many years or I hadn't been doing anything about. So I'm sure we'll talk about that later on, but I'm actually grateful for for what's happened during this period. Yeah, I I really love that. Um, I love the fact that your mindset with regards to that because they, you know, I think I remember last year we were one of our podcast um, the days we were recording. Dami and I were talking about how some people said, oh, they wanted 2020 to be erased from the calendar of life. Yeah. And we're like, what the heck are you talking about? Like 2020 yeah. was hard, but yet it brought some good yes. perspective. It brought some, it brought some good stuff to the world. You know, I mean, unfortunately a lot of souls a lot of people died and that's very unfortunate and you know heartbreaking but 2020 was it was it was one of those years we needed to have that we needed to have that shock um yeah so i i definitely every time i hear really positive perspective of how difficult the year was and the learnings from that i um you know i i i buy into that as well so thanks for sharing that well my pleasure my pleasure so um tj how did you get started in property or you know I, I think you're you're quite entrepreneurial how did your entrepreneurial journey start now I've heard this story and I love this story so oh, um it dep- it yeah. what version it depends who I'm speaking to when I'm speaking oh okay to <laughs> but I'll, I'll give you the one that I remember so you, you did ask a very specific question how did I start and I think it was typical um the the typical I used to sell Malwounds, Haribo's um cookies and donuts in school in my head we didn't well not in my head we didn't come from a lot of money I remember one day in school you know non-uniform day um oh my god this is so embarrassing so non-uniform day all my friends will wear all their older brothers like designer items they'll come looking great and um I didn't have anything to wear unfortunately so I remember taking off the studs off my football boots and turning them into trainers 
And when I got into school, every single person was cussing me, saying, what the heck are you doing? I thought I was being stylish, but I came to realize that you can't turn football boots into trainers and walk around all day like that. And those tiny little seeds were sown inside of me in terms of, bro, you are quite poor and you've got to do something about it. So that's when I discovered Sainsbury's and there was a Sainsbury's near my school. So I used to go to Sainsbury's and they sell five cookies for a pound and I would sell each individual cookie for like 50 pence or I would buy five donuts for a pack for 50p and I would sell each donut for 25 pence or 50 pence. So that's where it started for me in terms of, wow, hold on one second. If I can find something to sell, most likely people will buy it. Fast forward many years later, um, I started a recruitment company and um, I didn't have the place to start it. So my mum gutted out her garage and I think this is probably the story you've heard she gutted out her entire garage turned it into my first ever office and that's where we grew from myself and my business partner to five employees and we were doing incredibly well the truth is we didn't know what we were doing just like any other business I've ever started you don't know what the heck you're doing you just do what you know Um, but it was growing one day I went to Germany to visit one of my friends a guy called Jason and we went out we went to the clubs we bought champagne he was doing really well over there And there were so many beautiful women. So when I came back to London, I sat down with my business partner and I said, hey, listen, I think we should move our business to Germany. And he's sitting there saying, what the heck are you talking about? You've just come back from holiday. Now you want to move a whole business to Germany. But I managed to persuade him. The simple logic was we were recruiting a lot of graduates from Europe. So Germany included to finance companies and banks in the UK. Mm. So they were to say, hey, why don't we just go to Germany where we can get the best candidates and then bring them over to the UK. Either way, the story didn't make sense. I persuaded him. We moved all the way there. Our first few months in Germany was a nightmare. Imagine going from doing extremely well in London and building your company, building staff to get into Germany, thinking I could just make a million pound overnight in Germany. And it just didn't work out that way. So we hired a young man called Marcel, trained him up on sales. And in a space of, I think, 18 months, Um, We had grown to about 25, 26 staff and we were doing incredibly well. Long story short, and I keep and I I say this story when I'm trying to inspire people in terms of what goes up must come down unless you know the strategy, unless you get some help. We were doing so well. But the truth is what you don't know is what you don't know. So we didn't know about invoicing. We didn't know about um, chasing up clients for invoice we didn't know anything about money we just knew that we were doing well we knew how to sell we knew how to train people to make money but we didn't understand accountability financially so one day we get a call from the accountant and he says i'm coming into the office and usually when he comes into the office it's to tell us we've made this money and and we're doing well and things are going great but this time he came in and he said hey who was responsible for invoicing this company and that company and I was like, well, no, it's his fault. It's his responsibility. He said, no, it's my responsibility. And we're all pointing at each other. Effectively, one of us had forgotten to invoice one of our clients for around 250000 which means we were over leveraged. We didn't have enough cash in the bank to tide us over for the next month. We didn't have enough money to pay for staff. We didn't have enough money to pay for, for, for our new office that we'd just taken on. Long story short, the entire business came smashed, flat, bang, destroyed. So I had to move back to London. And when I moved back to London, the only place I could move back into was the garage that my mum had converted into my first ever office. Because I don't know why Nigerian parents do it. When their child leaves the house, they rent out or they give out their spare room to another Nigerian auntie. So I didn't have a bed, <laughs> I didn't have a bed anymore in my own house. 
So, so I had to buy a sofa bed and my mum bought me a sofa bed in the garage, which was my office. And I just stayed there for months, literally crying because my entire identity, my confidence, who I thought I was, had been built up by the success of my business. Now the business wasn't there. Who was I? Could I replicate this again? Is it possible to still get back up? So these are the questions that I know entrepreneurs face. This is why it's got me to the place whereby if I lose money, I lose money. It's part and parcel of the game. If I make money, well done. If I lose money, well done. What lessons can I learn? Either way, I sat there crying for such a long time. One day, my mom walks into the room. Number one, parents, if your child is an adult, knock on the door, even if it's your house. My mom just burst into the room, said, TJ, enough crying. And I'm like, mom, you're supposed to be hugging and holding me and stroking my head saying it's going to be okay. And her tough love was very simple and I needed it. She said, if you don't stop crying and go out, th- go out there and get yourself a job, I'm throwing you out. Whether she was going to throw me out or not, I don't know. But I needed that. I needed someone to say, look, you've done this stuff before. Stop moping, crack back on. So I started hanging around with one of my cousins, a guy called Emmanuel. Emmanuel was hanging around with some Asian boys and their dad was extremely rich and he had lots and lots of money. One day I'm chilling in their house in Orpington or Bromley around Chislehurst, that, that sort of area. And the dad pulls me aside and he says, hey, TJ, I've heard your story. I've heard about you. And I'm thinking, what have you heard? What's going on? What, that I'm a failure, that I've lost money. And he said, listen, I've heard you've had some good successes and I heard you've had some losses and I want to give you an opportunity. The truth is, I didn't know what this man actually did. He was probably the richest man I've ever come across because their house was massive with a swimming pool and they had a pool room. I genuinely thought he was selling drugs. And he said, TJ, look, he said, TJ, I've got an opportunity for you. And in my mind, I'm saying, mom's going to throw me out if I don't start making some money. So I said, whatever you got from me, Mr. Yusuf, I'm doing it. I think I was literally about to be turned into some drug smuggling mule across the country. Either way, he pulled me into the office and he gave me an envelope of 20 keys. And that's how I started in property. He had realized that his son was becoming lazy because of his dad's wealth. The son had calculated that the dad was worth six million. And the son had said to himself and his friends and the dad had overheard or someone had overheard. He said, when his dad passes away, the son will get two million. The brother gets two million. The mother gets a million and the sister gets another million. The dad was not happy. So he specifically told me in so many words, I'm using you to get my son back on track. But I didn't mind being used. He said to me, TJ, do you know how to manage properties? I had read the book by Richard Branson on the quotes. If someone gives you an opportunity and you don't know what to do, say yes. And I said, yes, I know how to manage properties. Give it to me, give it to me. And I ran home and I went on Google, typed in how to become an estate agent because I was looking for some sort of course. And then that's the first thing that came up. Airbnb came up. So I put all the properties on Airbnb in the meantime, while I was looking for a course or to do some internship at a letting agent. During that month period, I think I generated around 30,000 pounds. I took out all the money from Airbnb to PayPal, from PayPal to my bank account, went in, took it out in cash, put it in my rucksack. I think everyone should try that at some stage, walking around, <laughs> walking around with 30, 33, 34,000 pounds. You feel literally unstoppable. You feel so powerful because you're literally carrying someone's yearly wage around in your pocket. You need to do a video of that, TJ, you know. <laughs> reenact it i would love to but then someone might come and rob me but yeah that I, I don't, I don't tell anyone where i am at that point but then, before i finish that story this goes back to something i also believe um 
I, I believe in material items if you can afford it. I believe in buying Rolexes. I believe in buying fancy handbags because what it does to you mentally, it, it, it elevates you mentally. It should never elevate you above anyone else, but it's mentally. So, for example, when I get on stage, I might wear a £20,000 Rolex because it makes me understand that the point is I'm wearing someone's yearly wage on my hand, not to make them feel bad, but to make me feel great in terms of you've done well. You can you, you are certainly qualified to teach people how to improve their lives. Some people will get that. Some people will not get that. And the people that will not get that, are the people that don't have the money to buy the stuff. But the okay. point was this: I took out all the money, went to Mr. Yusuf's house and um I slid the money to him across the table, like, you know, old school gangster movie. And he sat there counting every single penny. And he was expecting me to give him around 18,000 pounds, 16 or 18,000. I can't remember. That was his monthly rent collection from 20 properties. And I had given him over 30,000. So he shuts the door behind him and said, what the heck is this? Why is there 30 odd thousand pound here? And I said, well, yeah, I rented out your properties. So he, like an old school gangster, because I still believe he was a drug dealer, he then slid £3,000 across the table to me. And this is when I panicked because I wasn't doing this to make money. I was doing this because it had to be done. I needed to find a way to get my confidence back up regarding money. When he gave me the £3,000, I backed up. I said, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. And then I called my mum. I said, mum, I'm in trouble. I'm in Mr. Yusuf's house in Orpington and he's trying to force me to take money. Because in my mind, I'm just thinking, I've just come back from a failed business. I don't want to touch money. Why is this man giving me £3,000 in cash? Like, what the heck is going on? Is this a setup? If I take the money and I walk out of the house, is he going to say I stole it? And my mom got on the phone. My mom is my ride or die. And if you're a parent, you owe it to your children to back them up. If your child is showing any semblance of um, passion for something, support them. If your child says, I want to become a footballer, and they are genuinely waking up every single morning playing football if your child says i want to be a drummer and they are genuinely waking up every single morning to practice support them give them a time frame and support them i would never have made a penny i would never buy property i would never have my confidence i would never i would never be on my way to creating wealth if my one person who knows me the best never supported me i think we owe it to our kids my mom got on the phone straight away to mr yusuf and she said in a nigerian accent hello why are you trying to give my son money? And Mr. Yusuf said something, being a Muslim guy and my mom being a Christian, but he, he said something which really resonated with my mom. He said, if a man works, he should eat. Mm. He said, if someone does work, they deserve to be fed. And that's how I live my life. And that's why, as I said, people that sit around waiting for handouts, you're never going to be cre- able to create wealth because there's not enough money to be given to you. So you've got to create it by the efforts of your hand and of your works. And at that moment, when he said that, that passage or that scripture to my mom, my mom said, oh, yeah, teacher, take that money off. Yes, <laughs> and before I got home, my mom had texted me saying she wanted shoe and bag or bag and shoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but essentially, that's how I got into property. And as I said, in just that one bit of story, there are so many life lessons that have helped me to develop an attitude for, for success in life. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I know I went off on a rant though. I know I went off on one. I apologize. No, it's so I mean I, I heard I heard this story the first time I met you and I was so inspired and I'm still very inspired by like I'm thinking, does this stuff really happen? 
these days, like you just have this man drop your keys and then all of a sudden you got 30 thousand in cash. Yeah. Like that is amazing. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but again, again, it's, um, something that's also important. And again, I don't shy away from talking about losses after about three, four, five months. He took all these properties back from me because his children had got jealous and his children had thought I was trying to steal their inheritance. And the truth is this, I genuinely was trying to steal their inheritance. I realized that if I befriended this man, there's a likely chance that he might change his will and include me in there. But the truth is, those that must come down. And I lost those properties. I had a decision to make. Again, it's a matter of, and Tony Robbins talks about this all the time. He says success leaves clues. It simply means success is like memory foam. Mm. Essentially, if you've had a little bit of success before, it means you can do it again. Mm. And it doesn't have to be in the same environment. It simply means it's a belief system. This is why we hear it all the time. Millionaires that lose their money, millionaires that go bankrupt, billionaires that lose everything. Guess what happened? Guaranteed they make it back again because of this memory foam, because of this success leaves clues. It's a pattern. Once you believe in the pattern, once you become that pattern, you can replicate it over and over again. And that's what happened with me. I had to make a decision. I just tasted the potential to make £30,000 per month from somebody else's asset. And I was like, hold on, I've got a decision. Do I go back to my room and cry? Or do I try and replicate the same thing again? And that sent me crazy. I called every single landlord agent on Gumtree that I could find, begging them. I didn't even know what to say. You guys might know that. You guys might not know this. I genuinely believed in my deepest soul that I created the service accommodation model. I believed it. Obviously, I realized it's not true anymore. But I thought it was only me because I was calling agents and they didn't know what I was talking about. I was like, hi, can I rent your property? And um, I'm going to put Airbnb people in there. And do you want to, you see how I didn't know what I was saying. And many of them were saying, sorry, we don't do that. Sorry, I don't understand what you mean. Eventually I perfected what I was saying. And now I could speak to, let's say out of 10 agents, I could speak to, I could get five or six of them to at least provide a viewing or pass the message on or close the deal. That comes with practice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, Success leaves clues. Get a little bit of success under your belt. This is why I beg people, especially people in my community, um, I beg them just to start something. Start something. Because once you start, you realize that the fear that you had initially that you might fail is not that deep. The fear that you think people are going to judge you is not that deep. People are really not checking for you. People actually have their own lives. Yes, you Mm -hmm. might get one or two people that might write some bad comments about you, but the overall public are busy trying to make money or look after their family. So just do what you need to do, because once you get over those two hurdles, then you've kind of, you've scaled the game. All you now need to do is just scale up. Because essentially, fear is what keeps most people back. So once you accept that fear is just nothing, but most people say it in terms of, oh, do you know what? Stop fearing. Stop being fearful. Just go out there. The truth is, you can't be. You can't stop being fearful until you experience it. I can't tell you not to be scared of something you are scared of. You've got to go and experience it and realize that the the fear is actually irrational. Then yeah. that's when the change happens. But many people don't push themselves or put themselves out there enough to find out that what's holding them back is fear and the fear is actually not a real thing. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm telling people, just go and do something. Start some sort of business just so that you start to build that, that memory phone, that memory bone, and you success leaves clues. And then you start building the confidence to take over the world. But you've got to start. Yeah. That is, uh, there's, some, there's some real deep principles that you've really touched on there. Really, really deep principles. Um, amazing. Bim, did you want to 
comment on something? Yeah, just a bit about the fear. It's interesting. I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine this morning and um, she was talking about, you know, she's got all these fears about what she's looking to do. Like, I mean, this is something that she's been doing from time, but she still has this fears. And I was saying to her that actually, you know what, fears, even though we don't like it and it doesn't produce a nice feeling, is mm-hmm. actually part and parcel of success. Like people that are so successful, they still have that fear every single time they have to take a step. But then what, what, what you then do with the fear is what makes the difference. So just like TJ saying, Feel the fear, but you've got to start anyways. And one of the things I was saying to her is also sometimes you need to think about what is the worst case scenario that would happen. So, for example, that example of you calling agents, the worst they would ever say to you is no, right? And that's it. (laughs) Like literally, that is it. You know, so in order to succeed, in order to take a step forward, you've got to feel the fear, but just do it anyways. Go start and then you just never know. You just never know what it's going to take you. But I'm so inspired by your, I'm so inspired by your story. And I think more than anything else, it's just that mindset that you, that you were able to develop over those years of losing, making money, starting a business, losing it again, and then making yeah. it. It's amazing. Yeah, and I want to touch on that because, yeah. as in through your story, we we discover your first kind of. Uh, business failure which was you you've gone to another country which in itself is just not many people would do that you you up and you know you take everything you know and love and then you move to a foreign country where you don't speak the language you're not from you know, you, you look different as well by the way yeah. um yeah. you know and then and then you you everything was seemingly going okay and then before you knew it just like at, at the click of a finger everything was taken away. So to get back from that, what were your, uh, you know, you, you said your mom came and she kind of gave you a, a kick up the, uh, a kick up the, you know, behind, but <laughs> beyond that, what were the other things that was a, you know, that enabled you to, to, to get yourself back up and, um, and really just get into this mindset of, I need to get back out there and I need to, um, and I need to do something with myself. Okay, cool. Um, I, I always shout out this book. Um, it's by a guy called, um, I can't remember his name. His name's uh, TJ Atkinson. It's a book called Untangling Success. I'll tell you why it's important. Um, I learned certain principles when I was younger. So I started self-development quite early. Um, I think one of my first ever books was a book by Brian Tracy, The Psychology of Selling. And then that moved me on to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then it moved me on to one book I'll never forget. It's a book called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by Shard Helmstetter. I actively, actively every single year go out of my way and buy at least 50 of those books and give them out to 50 random people because that book changed my life. So that book punches you straight in the face. I think the first few pages explains why every single person is where they are. Where you are today comes down to one thing, what you believe about yourself. What you believe about yourself is often the information you were fed to you from your parents or your environment. So the book says, if you come from a relatively okay home, you are told no at least 158,000 times before you become 18. And if you come from the same okay home, you are only told yes, at least 50,000 times. So you wonder why, as we get older, we start to lose that self-belief, that confidence. Think about kids. Why do kids think they can take over the world? 
because life hasn't got to them yet. Parents mm-hmm. haven't scared them yet. So we've got to be cautious as parents in terms of the way we speak to our kids. So when I'm speaking to my nieces, when they say, oh, can I do this? If the answer is no, you've got to follow up with reasoning behind it. Now, we know in many Nigerian societies and many Nigerian cultures, mom, can I have chocolate? No. No. But you haven't explained. So you don't understand the lesson associated. So guess what? They ask you the same question 10 times. Then you get frustrated. I thought I told you no, but you haven't conceptualized it. And all you're doing in that moment is you're building more negative beliefs in their system, which means no, no, no. Mom, can I do this? No, you can't. No, you can't. That's not possible. It's impossible as opposed to conceptualizing it. So what you've got to do is find ways of empowering these young kids so that they can still live this dream life and this dream belief that they can take over. How many people wanted to be astronauts when they were younger? How many people wanted to be multi-billionaires when they were younger? But as you get older, life punches you and life says, hey, come on, be realistic. But what's being realistic? That's a lie. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as being realistic. Um, Elon Musk, richest man in the world. Amazon, Jeff Bezos, richest man in the world. If they had had these crazy dreams before, someone would say, don't be silly. We don't have any such thing as millionaires and trillionaires and people who are worth 100 billion. How dare we pass on our negative self-belief or our lack of self-belief and pass it on to a younger generation or to anyone we come across? So when I'm saying um, some of these lessons, they were picked up from those books. And that's what picked me up in terms of how and what you believe about yourself will determine every single thing. Thankfully, it goes back to success leaves clues. I had tasted success before, not majorly, but on different levels. And success doesn't have to be something so grand. Success could simply mean something you've achieved. So for anyone who hasn't even started a business yet, if success to you is starting your business, then that's success. So it means if that specific business fails, you know now how to start another business. For someone else, success could be breaking £100,000 or breaking six figures. And then if that business fails, guess what? You believed it that, hold on, little old me broke six figures. Do you know what? I can do it again. Everything comes down to self-development, self-belief. I'm the biggest fan. And that's why I ended up writing that book, Untangling Success. It was to demystify what success really is, because most of us have this misunderstanding of success. And you hear gurus saying it all the time. And we hear our pastors saying it as well. You will be successful. Success is your right. Success is your portion. And the truth is this. It's actually not. Success is strategy. Not every single person will be or can be successful. Success comes with strategy, which means there are certain levels that you've got to be playing at to be successful. So, again, there's just so much I can go into. But, um, yeah, self-development, read more books and get a better understanding about who you are, not who you think you are. It's who you really are. That's when you start to grow. And that's where your self-confidence and self-belief comes from. For our listeners, do you want to repeat that book again? Is it What You Say to Yourself? Is that the one by Shad? Yeah, so it's What You Say When You Talk to Yourself by Shad Helmstetter. Um, Shad is S-H-A-D, Helmstetter, H-E-L-M-S-T-E-T-T-E-R. That book will change your life. You just got to go with an open mind. It's going to make you realize that you don't know anything, not even in a bad way. And it's also going to make you just realize about the constant conversation that we have with ourselves every day. Most people don't catch it. This is why for me, my daily routine stays the same every single time, no matter where I am. I have a 30 minute shower and I have a 15 minute conversation with myself 
every single day. And that's to catch the little conversations we're having with ourselves. When I tell people, oh, my favorite book is what to say when you talk to yourself, people joke and they say, oh, my God, are you going crazy? Oh, do you need to see a doctor? I'm saying no. (laughs) We all have conversations. However, it's not loud conversations because then you might need to see a doctor. But the point is there is this small natter in self-belief or lack of self-belief, such as if you find a, a difficult task in front of you, what you believe about yourself, the narrative will then be, TJ, no, do you know what? That's not possible. You can't do that. Who do you think you are? Why do you think you can do that? Only Elon Musk can do that. Only this person can do that. Those are the conversations and you've got to catch them. Most people never catch them because they're never aware because they're just subconscious thoughts. Once you catch yourself having these dialogues, you've got to catch it, number one, which means identify that you are um, having these things because we all have them. And that's what fear comes from. That's where lack of belief comes from. But once you catch it, what you've got to now do is replace them. So that's why I call that book Untangling Success. It's you replace it, you demystify, you, you pull it all apart, you rip it to shreds, and then you fill your mind with new information. And this new information becomes your new rhetoric, your new narrative, which is, I catch it every single time. Oh, do you know what? This isn't possible. I catch it straight away. And I find evidence to back up why it's possible. That's what you've got to do. And then you start to believe that you become what you believe. I know that sounds silly and many people have heard it before and it sounds hokey pokey. What you believe about yourself will determine every single thing. If you believe you can take over the world, you will do bigger. You will take more risk. You would put yourself out there. If you're shy and you think, oh, do you know what? I'm only destined to make £5,000 a year. You will do £5,000 a year actions. But if you think and believe that you are capable, you will take bigger, bolder risks. And it all comes down to the conversations you have with yourself on a daily basis. 100%. Um, in the book, The <clears throat> the Magic of Thinking Big, yeah. it, it talks about um, your thoughts compared to intelligence. Like it's not the smartest people who are the the supposedly richest people in the world. It's the thinking that guides the intelligence they have. Ooh. That's much more important than how much intelligence they have. You can have all the intelligence in the world, but if what's guiding it is not there, it's not up there, then, you know, that's why you have many PhD holders we regularly hear are working in Tesco or are struggling to find a job. They've got the intelligence, but the thinking behind what, what's guiding them and the principles is just not there. So, yeah, it's it's just exactly everything you say. I actually got that book as well, by the way, from uh, oh, from one of your posts that you... Uh, that you mentioned, yeah. I'm happy it's effective. I'm becoming a, I'm becoming a social media, <laughs> I'm a social media influencer now. Now brands need to start paying me. Yeah. Exactly. Now we'll put, we'll put your, we'll put your book in the show notes. We'll put yeah. those books as well in the show notes so that um, our listeners can just click on it and uh, and and pick them up. But no, it's 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 really cool. Okay, so. You've gone to Germany, you've come back, you started, uh, you were working for, what was his name, Mr? <laughs> oh, Mr. Yusuf, Mr. Yusuf. Mr. Yusuf, yeah. they got jealous. And actually, that's also, that's another principle that you brought out there. Success can breed jealousy. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Success can breed jealousy because, for those I around you. I don't want to do the work. And then when other people do the work and they see the result. Rather than appreciate the work, the hard work, the consistency, the discipline, then you start hearing things like, oh, it's luck. Oh, it's this. It's that. And then jealousy comes in. It's such a funda- fundamental human error. 
where yeah. it's, it's so weird that it's actually a real human behavior because again it comes down to maturity if i see someone that's doing something i want to do or better than me i am inspired mm-hmm. i'm inspired because it literally then means to me if this person with two arms as our parents used to say how many heads do they have if <laughs> 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 what i used to fail in school <laughs> they have six heads do they have if a mere human being can do something, I'm totally inspired. So it means it's actually possible. Mm. And what I, so again, um, this is something I spoke about some time ago. Can't remember where, okay, uh, can't remember where I spoke about it. And um, I talk about the benefit of being the second mover. I know in most cases in business school, um, just in general, we're taught to try and take advantage of first mover advantage, try and be the first to market. I don't believe that. I think being the second to market or being the second to do something is more powerful than number one. Because there's so many lessons that you can learn. You now can reverse engineer the success that the number one has tried to do. You can then learn from all the mistakes that they've made. You can ask questions. You can look at how they've done their business. And essentially, it helps you to grow faster because you don't have to keep making the same mistakes. I'm a big fan of learning from people. I used to preach a different story, which was, hey, do, I read a book by Peter Till. Peter Till, the investor in Facebook, um, runs, an, well, he's an investor in most of these tech companies. He's now a billionaire. I read a book by him and it's a book called Zero to One. And I loved it initially. And I said, oh, this sounds amazing. Because he's talking about build a unique business. Don't build something that other people have done. And I disagree. I first believed it and I disagree completely. Most of us are not creative geniuses. Most of us don't have the capabilities of Mark Zuckerberg and um, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. They operate on a different playing field, not because they're alien. If you were willing to dedicate the time and the effort and the resources, plus the luck associated, then different story. But if you're not, then why not learn from them and replicate what they've done. Um, There are three brothers in Germany. They're called the Sanwa brothers, three brothers. And their entire business model, bear in mind, they're worth 2 billion euros. Their business model is simply to replicate what successful companies have done. So for example, they've got their own version of Just Eat. They've got their own version of Amazon. They've got their own version of any brand that you can think of that's doing well. They've just built a replica brand and they're worth 2 billion pounds. But why are they doing better than some of the brands themselves? Because they were able to learn from the mistakes that these brands are making in real time. You're running out of money because you're making mistakes. But I'm able to say, ah, they're making this mistake here. Let me replicate it and let me build a a bigger or better product. So I'm a big fan of copying. Copying, it cuts the cycle significantly shorter. Yeah, success leaves clues. And if you follow the clues, then you follow the success trail. Now, fantastic. So you, uh, Abim, did you want to say something? Yeah, I want to, I don't know if you still want to talk about the mindset, but I wanted to bring it a little bit back to today um, to, you know, look at properties. I know um, TJ did mention that um, the pandemic, uh, he's lost quite a bit of, he he lost quite a bit of money as most businesses have done um, um, because of the pandemic. Now taking on, the learnings from before, the mindset, the confidence. How is that? Or how is that impacting or changing or changing how you do business now? And what what are you going to um, do differently, or what are you doing differently in twenty twenty one? Bearing in mind that 
your your core business that we know of is in the service accommodation business and that's been hit uh, majorly so how or what is the plan for now cool um so one thing that so i'm quite wild i'm quite spontaneous that's just my personality type and that's why i make more mistakes than more people because i go based on gut in many cases um this year and going forward i'm still going to do exactly the same thing because that's what gets me greater results than other people but i'm going to double down more on metrics i'm going to look at data more i'm going to try my best to look at figures and stats more because that's where the truth lies i might trust my gut i might trust my my instinct but that's not truth that's just what i believe in the moment so if you go back and you start looking at data and in saying that so that's taken us back to to service accommodation or the property business we're able to find out where we're overpaying where we need to renegotiate our rents where we need to reduce our prices per night where we need to increase our prices how much we're actually spending on marketing the efforts we're spending what's it returning so it's actually turned me into a bit more of a let's say data geek um actually that's too far it's it's just turning me into someone who's seeking more data from numbers now you cannot grow a business if you don't know the numbers you might not be the one that knows the numbers but someone in the business needs to be on top of the numbers we were spending a lot of money on facebook ads and we're still spending a lot of money on facebook ads which is what helped us during this period during covid or during the pandemic but at the same time are there other effective ways that we could generate leads and that's why we're exploring just telesales now getting on a, getting on a phone calling companies using linkedin which is also free to reach out to decision makers um we're we're changing pretty much every single thing but we're changing it in preparation for when the market kick back, kicks back into gear so that we're going to be in a position to take advantage excellent oh that's excellent that's cool i mean this is what the the world was calling is this what they call pivoting that everyone yes. is on the word of 2020 pivot pivot yeah. <laughs> that's a favorite word <laughs> no no that's amazing i mean i i i have um I had a couple uh, I had a handful of um service accommodation as well which was really badly hit and um but it was funny one thing that I noticed was when we had the lockdown the properties that so the properties in certain parts of the country of London did really badly like there was majorly hit I I think I don't even think I had any bookings for like weeks and then eventually I had to basically pivot as they say and then i noticed that there are other properties in another part of the um of london or in kent that just wasn't affected um, and it was just bookings after bookings i was like what you know so it it was, it was such an interesting thing but yeah i totally feel what you felt and i'm sure you felt it on a, on a bigger scale being you know? oh, it was hard it was hard it is hard mm-hmm. um but again this is something that i believe i believe you've got to go through some downs mm-hmm. and again coming from a christian background i can't remember the specific scripture but it talks about stewardship um faithful with little faithful with much um if you cannot handle these small blips in your journey now how are you going to handle it when you've got an entire hotel block mm-hmm. that that's literally that's literally my logic that's the kind of tiny little things that keep me going that's why as i keep saying how dare you as an entrepreneur expect everything to go perfectly how dare you say okay well i made 100,000 pounds this year i expect to make 200,000 pounds then 300,000 then 10 million why would you not expect that there's going to be some interruption whether you pray or not the point is this 
there has to be some interruption because the interruption is where the growth happens. Yes. There's got to be a setback. Again, looking at the stock market, it always resets. There's going to be a dip. That's when you buy in. You don't buy in when the market's at the high. And many times when the market falls down, that's where people sit down and they reanalyze their portfolio. Yeah. But we don't. This is so I'm writing a new book, actually, and it's a book on failure. I, I love writing books. When I got into the self-development stuff, I just decided I'm just going to be writing my own books. So it's a book on failure. And we talk about um, most football teams. Think about it from this way. Most football teams, when they win the league or when they win a match, guess what they do? They go into the locker room, they pop champagne bottles and they celebrate. They're slapping each other. High five. You're the best. You're this. But they don't sit down to reanalyze why they won. We never analyze why we won. And the problem is you might have won because of luck. You might have won because of extenuating circumstances. You might have won because the other team was bad. Mm. But it's only when you do bad or when you fail or when you lose the football match, you all walk into that locker room and then your manager says, excuse me one second, you messed up, you messed up. Why didn't you take a shot? Why didn't you pass the ball? And then that forces strategy. So the point is failure allows you to re-strategize. Failure allows you to regroup. But if you fail and you don't embrace failure, you will never know what is needed to get to the next level. That's why I keep begging every single person, fail more. But in order to fail more, you've got to do more. But don't let failure destroy you. Again, we look back at some of the famous entrepreneurs we know about. Every single one of them. There is not one entrepreneur on this planet that we are all inspired by that hasn't had a bout of failures. They haven't. They've all had numerous failures. Um, Jeff Bezos failed. Elon Musk failed. Steve Jobs failed. Oprah failed. Every single one of them. And we wonder why some of them are billionaires, because they've understood that failure is only in the moment. And failure is where the re- the reanalysis or the re-strategy comes from to take you to the next level. So I welcome failure because I know, OK, if I lose my money today, I can make it back tomorrow. And it's all part of the journey. Yeah. DJ, what, sorry, yes. sorry, Bim. Um, why... Why are people, in your opinion, why are we scared to fail? Because it's it is a big obstacle. That fear of failure it it is a massive obstacle. So, what is it that brings that fear? And you know, yeah. And how can we kind of overcome overcome that fear? Yeah. So, uh, I, I did some I did some reading on this actually. Um, I think there are two main fears. Um, in the world and they all center around fear of judgment and fear of rejection yeah people are scared to fail because they are scared that they're going to be judged in some form or they're also scared of what they're going to believe about themselves so i would rather make up a a narrative of who i am in my head and never have it tested do you understand do you catch that most people would rather believe they are this made-up character in their head and have it actually tested to find out that you are not who you think you are. Every single person, no matter who you meet, every single person thinks they can make a million pounds. But until you get tested, that's the only time you will know whether you can do it. So I would rather, and this is something I used to do before, I would rather not do something that I know is difficult so I didn't lose my winning streak. And that's so dumb because I would rather keep face with myself. And I think that's one of the reasons many people are scared to actually do anything you'd rather keep believing to yourself that you know what if i actually put my effort in i would be rich i would be wealthy i would be successful and you don't want to find out that there's a likely chance that it's not going to go how you think it's going to go one of my staff members um she wanted to try out um drop shipping 
And I said to her, I pray. And I actually prayed about it. And she hated me for this. I said, I pray that it doesn't go how you want it to go. And she was like, I rebuke, I rebuke. How dare you? And I'm saying that there is a false um, equivalence or there's a false narrative if everything goes perfect right at the beginning. You want to pray that you hit some stumbling blocks right at the beginning so you can find out what's working and what's not working. Mm -hmm. There are some people that are fortunate enough that everything goes perfect for them there and then. And it, it builds up this false picture in your head that life is perfect. So you are not prepared for when things go bad. And if you're not prepared for when things go bad, it stands the chance of being able to wipe you out completely. This is the reason why I keep talking about failure. Embrace it as quick as possible so you realize that it's not so devastating. There, um, I was trying to find this as part of the book and I couldn't remember what I needed to type into Google. But I read some time ago that if someone falls out from a tall building, most of the time they don't die from the impact or solely from the impact of hitting the ground. They die because they don't have enough time to process how to protect their vital organs or how to brace for the fall. And that's where we've got to start looking at different things in order to prepare ourselves. So if you fall in a few times, you know that the most important thing is to protect your face and protect your heart. But if you've never fallen and you're falling from a big, massive building, you're so scared, you're paralyzed with fear that you don't put the systems in place. And that's how I, I look at fear. You want to have tasted fear on multiple levels. Look at it from this point. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, let's say on a scale of one to 10, you will experience failure at maybe number three, number four, or maybe number five. And in some cases, you might experience failure at number nine. If you've never experienced failure at level one, level two, level three, and you experience level, um, failure at level number nine, there is a likely chance that it's going to take you out of the game completely because you thought you were perfect. You thought everything was perfect. You, you, you didn't optimize for failure. And guess what happens? It's now punched you in the face. Your self-belief goes out of the window. You start to question whether everything was luck or whether you deserve to be in the position that you're in. So you want to taste failure right from the beginning, as early as possible. Let your business fail, tempt failure, find ways to fail as quick as possible because every single person has an allocation of failure and you want to utilize it before you get to the millions and the billions. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy listening back to this podcast. I can already tell. Fantastic. Fantastic. Deep, deep. But you know what? I wanted to comment on something that you said. Obviously, so we're, so we're people of faith, we're people of color, and the faith aspect of it, we uh, or we're sold this belief that everything is going to be positive, everything is going to be amazing. And you know, you mentioned it earlier. And every time I hear that, I always want to just sort of put co correct that because I, I obviously I, I, I'm on the same page as you. There's actually nowhere in the Bible that says that everything's going to be perfect. In fact, Jesus said, in this life, you will face many trials and tribulation. Like we've already been told that this world that we're living in, we're going to come across failure, rejection, mm -hmm. you know, sad, you know, sadness, just disappointments, betrayal. We're going to face all of these things. You know, so we already know that always been, you know, so when, when people fail or think that they're not going to fail or they're praying against failure, you're literally, it's so counterproductive because it's a, yeah. it's a prayer that never, that will never get answered. You are, you are going to fail. It's now, and I like what you're saying about pray to get to fail at the beginning, pray to fail when it's yeah. small so you can learn from it. And the times that you succeed, 
take time to think, why did I succeed? What are the things that happened in my favor that caused me to succeed? So I can put those things in place to probably even minimize, you know, failing, or at least even if I were to fail, then I I can easily pinpoint and say, okay, this is the reason why I did. And, and, you know, so I am so inspired. Like we didn't even think that we'll be having this conversation today. You know, I think I'll be doing a lot more property related stuff, but this is, this is much more important than property. This is mindset and mindset. If there's one thing that for me personally, my personal, one of my personal goals this year is to, you know, to get a bigger mindset, like literally, Think big, do big, because if you've done it once, if you've succeeded in a little, you, you have the ability and the, and the capacity or capability to succeed in the bigger thing. So I am really grateful that you're touching on that now. And, you know, I don't fear being, I don't fear failing. Uh, I just want to be able to eat. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let me just eat <laughs> like my children does it. But also, I wanted to comment on um, the, you know, the African, you know, so our African, again, we're Af- from African descent and our African background obviously plays a lot. It plays a big part in this mindset thing that we're talking about. So we know that African yeah. parents are quite strict. They take no nonsense, but they're also certain things that I so appreciate the African background, you know, things like, you know, do you have, does the person that is succeeding have two heads? <laughs> it, makes you, it makes you think, look, if, if it's done before, I can also do it. You know, when your mom came and told you to get off from it, whatever, she'll throw you out because you know that, look, there's no room for pity party. There's no room to be a victim. There's only space for go out and do it, fail and come back and start again. And, you know, so I want to bring it to, um, because again, I know that you're very passionate about um, empowering empowering the the blacks in the UK. Uh, And I, you know, I think it will be good to kind of touch on that briefly. Now, the statistics out there, um, tells us that home ownership uh, amongst the black, especially Africans, about 20%. The last stats that was taken, I think, a couple of years back, which was very disappointing. And then also just, again, just around this whole black economy, Black Lives Matter, we already know that the gap, the the wealth gap between other races and the blacks is quite white. And, you know, yes. we're very grateful um, that, um, we, you know, a lot of us are looking and working to close that gap. And I think this is all what it's all about. Um, but um, is that something that you want to say to, um, to the people listening? I mean, this applies to everyone, to be honest, but typically or specifically for anyone from a very, from a, um, from the, from a, um, a black group, yeah. um, what do you want to say to them, you know, yeah no i i I read the same stats as well and um i think it mentioned uh two things Uh, number one with regards to pakistani families as well i think they ranked quite low on there as well so it made me think about yes there is a systematic issue there is um there is racism no one can deny that there are um less opportunities and funding available But at the same time, this is why there are certain strategies that are available. So we talk about service accommodation and we talk about rent to rent. Capital is not readily available. But what can we do to put ourselves in a position to start buying? The thing is, I could spend more time talking about the system, the system, the system. And the truth is, the system is there and the system doesn't benefit us 
as much as it benefits other cultures. But at some point, we've got to take some responsibility and say, okay, the system is designed to keep us down. What can we do? And this is where it comes together. Three people can come together, set up a company and buy a property together. Um, a family can budget more, save more money to buy a property. It might take longer, but it comes down to something I call a community goal. What's the goal for the future? What are you trying to gain? If a home ownership is an important part for you, then you've got to forego some certain things. Yeah. There's no point dwelling on what can we do to get companies to help us. They're not going to give us money and we're not asking for money. So I think we've just got to ask ourselves a question for ourselves. What can we do? What can I actually do? How can I increase my income or my affordability? And that's why, again, you'll be aware, Dami's aware of strategies like rent to rent or service to accommodation. Even if you're making an extra £500 a month from these strategies, £500 per month improves your affordability to be able to buy so it's just tiny little things that we need to consider to help ourselves. Um, I'm tired of um, speaking to people to ask them to help us or to ask them to do better. I just think we need to focus on just doing better ourselves. Mm. What's your thoughts? Um, one of the things, well, I mean, my, my, when every time I've had this conversation, the one thing I always stress on um, is joint venture. I, I mean, I'm quite passionate yeah. about joint venture i've dubbed myself the joint venture queen um i did a lot of that um in fact i've been doing a lot of i've been doing more joint ventures now than ever before and again it's all around and for all of my joint venture it's it has been just um blacks not not because i intended for it to be so but those are the people that are my immediate network um but then i'm quite um excited about the people that at least have that change mindset of look this is the one way that I can get on the property ladder. This is the one way I can get my money to work for me. This is something good, not just for myself, but for my community and for my generation. So that's, you know, that that's something that I'm really excited about. But it's still, I mean, we're still a long way off from it. Um, well, I've got the joint ventures. I've also just recently, um, last year, set up an investment club. And in the investment club is, again, typical, similar stuff. We come in together by you know as a proper investment club um buying properties and flipping them for a profit and again it's just really to get people of the same mindset uh, in yeah. the same space working towards the same goal and um, trusting one another because that's always a big deal with um you know, community mm-hmm. trust but um but then also educating them to see that look trust should never be an issue to be honest because if, if everything is transparent and the systems are already in place to make sure that everything is transparent then you shouldn't really have issues with trust but at the same time don't go into anything until you know the numbers you understand the business you understand at least you have an understanding of what your money is going into if you have an understanding of what your money is going into and you have the right mindset and you have that trust you can do we can do so much i mean it's been it's been um, evidence in other communities so we can clearly and walk in the same path so um i'm happy that that's we're all on the same page with regards and i think the more we talk about this the, you know sooner or later we will see it grow even more um yeah good 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 love that amazing wow this has been an explosive explosive session tj the beast <laughs> the entrepreneurial beast nice one nice one um so just as we kind of round up and close up because uh, you know i know that you've got lots of things to be getting on with 
Um, we'd like to ask our guests um, uh, a question, which is, what what has and you can you can answer it however you want. What what does property mean to you? Um, a really good question. Um, property means leverage. Literally, property means leverage. I have this belief. Um, in fact, I know it to be fact. You cannot create wealth without leverage. You will never have enough money by yourself mm. to buy property. You can buy one property, but that means your money is tied into that one deal until that deal is concluded. Yeah. And what's your exit strategy? So for me, property is leverage. So I've got this simple system, which I'm trying to push out so that people within the black community understand how to create wealth. It's a six point system. The first way to create wealth is to understand money. Everything starts with understanding money. It's so weird how we spend 40% of our week pursuing money. Literally, and whoever's listening to this, I hope this you catch this. We spend 40% of our week pursuing money, which means you spend two hours in the morning waking up, getting ready. Then you spend nine hours at work and then you spend another two hours to get home. That's what. Sorry. Sorry, TJ. I was just, I said this, yeah. didn't I, Bim, yeah. on Clubhouse yeah. the other day? I said the exact same thing. I, I would say it's more than 40%. It's more than 40%. No, no, I've done the calculation. No, it's not. Really? Well, let's, well, let's do it now. You can edit this part out. Nine hours plus four. <laughs> nine hours plus four. So that's 13 hours a day. So nine hours working and then an extra two hours to get to work and two hours back. So that's 13 hours a day mm-hmm. times that by five. Mm-hmm. So that's 55 hours. And then we've got 24 hours times seven. So that's one, six, eight. So now how do we do that calculation? Is it 65 divided by one, six, eight? Yeah, 38, 38% of our week. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I calculated it time ago. It seems like more, and it would it would make for a better headline if it was like <laughs> more. more. <laughs> I was disappointed when it came to 40%. <laughs> Although, to be honest, so so if you just do that, that's 40%. But remember, people people do work, take work home, do work at the weekend yeah. and all sorts of nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. And opportunity, and, and opportunity cost what you lose as well in terms of spending time with the family mm-hmm. um working late into the night so yeah i yeah let's let's agree 50 percent of our week yeah 50 percent of our week is dedicated to pursuing money but most of us don't actually understand money if you're going to be wealthy you've got to deal with one thing first and this is what i call the silent money erosion systems silent money erosion systems are these systems that have been put in place to effectively steal money from you number one inflation if you're not beating inflation, you will never be able to create wealth because it means no matter what you do, you are losing money regardless. So again, going back to the scripture, faithful with little, faithful with much. If you can't handle how to manage a thousand pound, how do you think you're going to get to the position to handle 10 million pound? Because you're still going to be bleeding money, as I call it. So number one is understanding money. Number two is then you've got to budget. Now, I'm not talking about a strict budget where you can't breathe and there's no room to navigate. But I'm talking about a budget allows you to know where your money is, yeah. which leads to number three. Number three is I'm, I'm cautious with it, but for people who are learning this, it's important. Number three is save. So from your budgeting, you're then able to allocate how much you need to pay your bills, how much you need to put aside. And then you put a little bit aside to save from saving. It leads to number four, which is now you start to invest three and four are semi interlinked because I'm not the biggest fan of saving. But again, unless I have a long time to explain it, um, I, but I don't have the time to explain why I'm not the biggest fan of saving. But the point is three leads to four. Yeah. 
Whilst in the middle of three and four, you're learning more about your attitude to risk. You're learning more about your personality type. You're learning more about the types of investments that work for your future goal. The number five is leverage. Mm -hmm. Because again, the point is, you've now learned about money. You understand that money keeps moving. Money goes to the person that understands it the most. That's why someone wins the lottery today. They lose the money within a year because they don't understand money. They don't understand how to manage it. They don't understand that money desires to keep moving. That's why saving, as I said uh, for another conversation, saving, in my opinion, is, is reckless because money doesn't want to stay sitting there. Money wants to be utilized. Money wants to be pushed. And that's why people lose money and it doesn't disappear or get destroyed. Money just moves into someone else's pocket that understands it the most. So let's go back to number five, leverage. You take somebody else's money and you make you more money with it, which leads to number six, which is then passive. Passive can only happen when you've got other people's money working for you. So essentially, it's like having 10 members of staff that are replicating you. So it means you don't have to be in that one place, such as your money doesn't have to be tied into one place. At this point, your money is working for you in 10 different places, which then means you've got money making you money and your money's are having kids and the money's are having grandkids and you're making money that way. So yeah, money for me is leverage. That, that's my answer. I could have answered it in like two seconds, but you guys now like to talk <laughs> <laughs> that is that is acceptable we accept that <laughs> excellent no thank you tj so um tj if anyone wants to get in touch with you or connect with you where's the best place that they can find you i live on instagram hit me up on instagram he's not lying guys he's actually not lying <laughs> So yeah, connect with me on Instagram and um, I will be doing a bit more Clubhouse stuff. I think Clubhouse is really powerful. I just haven't found the right way to channel it yet. But yeah, I think Clubhouse is really powerful. So I probably will be on Clubhouse quite a bit. I will need to get you on for prop chat at some point uh, on our our Thursday evening. um, Our Thursday evening chats, We'll, we'll, we'll get you on. Yes, please. I see see, see your tent in Clubhouse. (laughs) Your tent What's that? What's that? I said I can see your tent in Clubhouse. Once you get the hang of it, you'll be there all day, all night. Oh, TJ's already a pro. He's already a pro. No, but I, you know, I try to. I'm, I'm just trying to feel it out and test it out. Um, and as I said, once I get the hang of it, and once I can allocate the right time to it, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to move on there. Literally, yeah, no, it, it is a nice. It, I think it's interesting. I was in a, I was in a room yesterday, and uh, just while working, I just put it in the background, and they mentioned something. What they're doing, or what Clubhouse is doing, is it's um, I'm, and I'm going to struggle with the word here, but democratizing knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas before, information and knowledge was like the big ticket, the big thing. Now on Clubhouse, you've got, well, I mean, everyone's a success on Clubhouse. That's the other thing, by the way. Everyone's yeah. a six-figure, seven-figure, eight-figure person. Yeah, everyone's a billionaire. <laughs> everyone yeah. is a billionaire on Clubhouse. But, you know, there a lot of value is being given on Clubhouse. So knowledge has been democratized I've, through I've this platform. I've learned so much. I've learned so much in the last two, three, four mm. weeks. Um, yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's absolutely incredible. Apart from the lies, of course, that everyone's making <laughs> outside of that, um, there are some people, people who, are making lies you know, on Clubhouse. No, it's, oh it's, 
Yeah, yeah. Everyone, that's I, I've said. I've told you before, Bim. Everyone's a success. On, I mean, I look at my bio and I laugh. Like you know, it's just, but it's the it's the thing to but do. Your bio, no, but your bio, no, but that's the thing. Okay, so no, so let's talk about this. Actually, it's yeah. true that when you go on people's bio, it just sounds like those American. They sound very successful. Oh <laughs> however, however, if I look at my bio and I've kind of adopted it to sound to to you know to bring no basically what it is is you pull out your successes but it's still the truth it's just that now you're shouting it out rather than before where you just kind of keep it to yourself so maybe that's what it is because you know on this platform you've got to lead with your success absolutely but you're seeing people who are saying i've got a nine-figure business but we know last year they were unemployed or they were in job seekers allowance. Like, let's, let, let, let's stop the lies. Because the problem is many people can't verify. People are coming on yeah. Clubhouse to reinvent themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's where my issue is. But each to their own, really, as I said. I mean, yeah. But I mean, even, even then, you know, there's still a lot of value. Um, and yeah, just when you sit and listen to the conversations. I mean, I was in a which is completely off track, by the way. But hey, I was in a, there was a, a room for practicing your Yoruba. So if you want to like, yeah. you know, come in and try and basically you come in, you you put your hands up and they'll ask you questions, conversational questions. And yes. uh, regardless of your level and stuff like that. So it's, it's quite interesting, you know, it's quite dynamic, I think. Interesting. No, I think, I think I think it's really good. I, I'm definitely a supporter. I was quite critical of it initially, but no, I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Right, TJ, we've taken a lot of your time. Thank you so much for um, coming on Propcast. We've really enjoyed having you on. Uh, this has been one of my favorite episodes i think uh that we've recorded so thank you man thank you and uh i don't know when when lockdown is over we can we can all catch up somewhere some way some shape so thank you so much uh bim it's been another cracker it's been another cracker thank you so much tj we really appreciate appreciate this yeah and just like dami actually i would also say and and this has been truthful this has got to be one of my best and i think it's because for me as well i've been because you mentioned a lot of stuff about mindset and that's been my one of my big goals for this year. So it's really resonated with me and I know that he would to our listeners. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Loving you guys' work. And yes, let's catch up soon. Thank you. So guys, if you've enjoyed that episode, do share, like, subscribe, give us a rating, put some comments. Tell us what you think of... um... Oh, by the way, guys, make sure you go and check TJ's Instagram and check the story where he had a red wig on. He... He... (laughs) (laughs) Just... And then leave a comment for him. Also, before we go, one final question. TJ, you have a fascination with Beyonce. Tell us, what is this fascination? It's not really a fascination, uh, but I like to keep my relationships (laughs) private. You know, I've I've made her sign an NDA, so... (laughs) You can't talk about Is he just so. saying that he's with Beyonce? <laughs> Is it Beyonce? Beyonce yeah. Go, go check his Instagram. Go check his Instagram. All will be revealed. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not allowed to talk about it. I'm not allowed. Excellent. Hey, it's been a great one. Um, until next time, Bim. Ciao. Bye, guys. TJ, ciao. Yeah.